Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest Welcome, everybody, to a very special spin-off episode of Talking Terror. Uh, something that the Mad Monkey and I have been toying with for a little while. Um, because on our main show, we discuss horror news, and we talk about the movies for the week. Uh, but we kind of want to do something different, just me and him. Uh, some kind of an interview-type podcast. You know, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's an hour and a half, maybe it's two hours. Uh, but I want to call it the Terror Talk. So... Uh, for this episode, we have an indie uh, director and writer and producer um, by the name of Gerald Crum, who's going to be coming on with us hopefully soon. Uh, he's known for Lake Fear, Lake Fear 3, Dead Don't Die in Dallas, so many other things. Uh, he's also known as a horror guru, uh, which we'll see if he can go toe-to-toe with me in terms of uh, the horror guru thing. But... I am also joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, the Prince on Mars Day. Yes, get funky with a mad monkey. Yes, keep it a funky, keep it a fresh. This is the Mad Monkey, broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. Yes, we, the Talking Terror Crew, especially tonight, me and my brother from another mother, the king of horror energy, bring you the best damn horror podcast there is in all the land. So make sure you listen on Spotify. Make sure you listen on iTunes. Make sure you listen wherever you get your damn horror podcast, because this is what we do, baby. What's up, brother? <laughs> What's up, man? Hello. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know how this is going to go, quite honest, because I know we're still actually waiting for Joe to call in. So we're waiting to see how that's going to go down. <laughs> if, he, if he even bothers to call in at all, I mean, it just might be me and you for a little while until uh, he calls up shop for tomorrow's episode of Slack. Um, <laughs> yeah, we will see. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, I guess in the meantime, you know, we'll just do a little bit of back and forth. Um, I actually wanted to ask you, Monkey, because this is kind of new and something that I kind of found out yesterday. And it's not really horror news, but it, it kind of falls into our world. Um, do you know about the Little Nas X Satan shoes? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Well, Little Nas X, he's a rapper. Uh, came out a couple years ago with a country rap single called... Um, uh, Old Country Road with Billy Ray Cyrus. <clears throat> so okay. he kind of hit that way. Um, and then he released a couple other singles. He's young. Um, but just uh, the other day, he released a single video for a song called Montero, which is his first name. And in that, he openly admits being gay, enjoying it. But in the video, he gives the devil a lap dance. So, of course, people were okay. like, oh, 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 this is insane. But what really was the kicker was that he decided to make these Nike knockoff shoes. You know, the, the Nike logo is reversed. They're black. They have uh, pentagram uh, little, like, medallions on them. And they are supposed to contain one drop of human blood. And they cost $1,400. Uh, 
What? And after he released these sneakers, the conservative Christian Catholic world fucking exploded because of the <laughs> little Nas X giving, you know, a lap dance to the devil in his music video. You, you'll have to look it up when we're off the air just to kind of see what people were saying. But it's like the satanic panic has once again come back. After all these years, over Will Nas X, a music video, and a pair of sneakers that really don't look that cool to me. I mean, I wouldn't pay over a thousand for them, but it's kind of cool to see that they do continue to drop of human blood. Which who that human was, we don't know, but it's out there. <laughs> I'm all for it, man. Let's bring the standard panic back, man. Let, let's get some Christians pissed off. <laughs> let's, let's let's do it, man. <laughs> I mean, I am all about getting them upset and giving them something to whine and bitch about. You know, and if they're going to sit there and whine and bitch about some <laughs> Nike knockoffs and just rant and rave about it. I'm, I'm off. I miss these days, man. You know, <laughs> Let, let's have at it. It's like, there's been too much whining and picking about so much other, you know, unimportant shit. You know, let's get back to something simple. Let's get back to something. It makes you feel like a kid again, man. <laughs> I'm fucking stoked about this shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it kind of brings me back to that thing we were talking about not that long ago about cancel culture and about how that's like the new hot button word right now is cancel culture. So everything's getting canceled yeah. because people are getting offended left and right. Well, you're, I mean, I know you're older than me, but I also remember it. I mean, we lived through a cancel culture, which was a satanic panic. That was let's cancel skateboarders, let's cancel metal, let's cancel punk. Let's cancel horror movies. It's all got to go because it's all offensive. So we lived through it. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, you know, like you said, the metal music, the Dungeons and Dragons, the uh, the fantasy movies that were going on, you know, and the, they were talking about all that, and yet no one was really talking about Lord of the Rings. You know, while all of that was going on, The Hobbit was still welcomed by families all over the place as the, you know, the movie of the week, you know, <laughs> because for some reason they just didn't fucking cross that shit. I don't know why, you know. And again, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is pretty much just a Christian version of Lord of the Rings, you know, was welcomed all over the place because it talked about Son of Adam and all that. But yeah, <laughs> uh, again, all of it, you know, like you said, growing up in the 80s, you had old ladies from the church going around, you know, <clears throat> going from door to door, giving out the chick tracks and talking about how evil Dungeons and Dragons is even though they knew nothing about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> no, they didn't. And that was the whole thing about the video nasty uh, back in the 80s in the UK. Uh, let's ban all of these movies because we don't understand them. <clears throat> it has nothing to do with the content because most people didn't watch it. Margaret Thatcher certainly didn't watch any of them. Um, uh, and the, the heads of that board didn't watch any of them, and they went on and did interviews. Uh, Margaret Applewhite, who was the head of that, said, I don't need to see it to know that it's vile. I don't need to actually watch it a second of any of those video nasty in this list. And we need to bash open the stores and take out the videos. It's, it's just, it, think about the children, you know, that whole thing from the Simpsons. And, uh, you know, yeah. more <laughs> and, you know, while I do agree to a certain extent, parents bear the responsibility to kind of censor. Uh, or at least monitor you know, what their kids watch. 
um, to a certain extent. I mean, my parents were never really around, so I never really had to worry about that. But at the same time, I watched all those horror movies. I listened to all that heavy metal music, and not once did I think about killing anyone, you know, or, or taking out an animal into the woods. Killing it. I mean, to me, it was just entertainment. It was just fun, and it was an escape, and it was just loud, and I love the fact that people got offended by it. Like, it was just so cool that the blast of Metallica album and have people be like, turn it down. I'm like, no, turn it up. <laughs> like, <"Wait." laughs> yeah, and that was the whole thing about going through this, you know, we didn't call it counterculture back then. It was just censoring is all it was. But again, you know, you had Tipper Gore leading the charge and all of that, you know, and uh, unlike the video nasties, they were actually going through and checking the lyrics and, you know, <laughs> listening to stuff and checking out the contents of the album covers, the insides, you know, I will give Tipper Gore that for all the bullshit that she brought up. You know, she, she was, she actually had people that were actually doing re- research, at least on the music part of it, you know? Yeah, and I mean those those pictures are also very hilarious and look at them now. Um when you see her holding up the Wasp album, Fuck Like a Beast, you know, and she's like, Look at this filth and I'm like, that's actually a really good album. <laughs> it's just seeing this like middle aged wooden housewife holding up a fuck like the beast record by Wasp and just sort of going like, you know, just clicking your thumb at it and it's like, Man, have you even listened to that album? That's classic. <laughs> but you know and then you know some kind of good things came about it because you know we, we got the ratings that were you know issued for music you know we already had ratings for movies uh we we had the issue uh, the ratings issued for music we had the ratings issued for video games and you know they, they helped you know for people that want to be lazy parents and not do their work but at the same time you know to go back to what you were saying you know don't let the government or someone else t- tell you you know what you can and can't watch you have kids be a parent you and actually make the decisions for your family you know be active with your children that's that's why you did it because you're conceited as fuck anyway so you thought you know what the world needs another me you know so i'm gonna sit there and pop one in the oven of my wife and i'm gonna sit there to sp- brought out another perfect me but no i don't have the time to raise it you know so i'm just gonna plop it in front of the tv and then get pissed off when they find out that they're watching offensive content like ilm tv (laughs) (laughs) that's really what it all came down to is just about the television being the babysitter um and again like i had said earlier that was me as a kid the television was my babysitter both my parents worked. My brother was seven years older than I was, and he didn't want to fucking hang out with me. So, you know, here's the television. Here's the remote. You can watch whatever you want. I don't care. You know, and, and, and I did. And, you know, I got to watch a lot of MTV. I got to watch a lot of horror movies. But my parents also weren't the type that were like, oh, my God, you can't watch that. Like, you know, you're not ready for that. They just they wanted me to understand that the things were fake, you know, and that what I was watching isn't real. And it may give me nightmares, but just remember that, Freddy Krueger isn't real. Michael Myers isn't real. Zombies aren't real. Like, you could watch this, have a good time, but just know that it's fiction. And I think that's what more parents need to do with their kids rather than cancel uh, Pepe Le Pew and get rid of Elmer Fudd's shotguns because you find them offensive. You need to sit down with your kids and be like, this is a cartoon. Not real. Fake. You know, let's not, let's not think that, they, you know, skunks are really going around raping cats. 
or not. But we live in a generation yeah. before just quick. Well, we also live in a generation where it's like, hey, that fucking sounds so fucking old, man. But it's just, you know, you have the young kids now going around where they can't put down their fucking phones. You know, these are people who are, you know, supposed to be adults that are going around. And, you know, like I'm going around in the workplace and I have young coworkers who are going around and they can't put down the phone. They can't stop the constant input that's going into their brain. It's like you need to also have those times of being bored, you know, because that's when you're bored, you get inspired to create, you know, that's when you, you want to start learning how to do music or, you know, for me it was learning how to draw, you know, you, it was so, your insurmountable vast, like, cranium of horror knowledge. It's like, you know, but you need to have those moments of, just stop all the input for just a minute and, you know, just play. (laughs) Yeah, and I think um, a lot of it, like, especially nowadays, I think more so than back in the 80s, I think it's the fact that more people are getting bored at home, Um, especially now because we're living through a pandemic. So I think there's a lot of parents out there that are sitting home and just looking for something to get behind so that they could be like, I'm doing something, I'm being active, you know, I'm, I'm picking apart in something. Um, you go back to 1984 with Charles Sellier's uh, Silent Night Deadly Night, we've talked about it, but that's my best example when I talk about what's going on right now. You have ads for a movie that kids should not be even fucking watching, playing on television when they're in bed, and there are some housewives at home whose husbands are away at work and their kids are just away at school and they just sit at the table and drink their coffee and go, you know what? I want to be a part of something. What can I do? Look at that. There's a killer Santa. I'm going to write a letter to MGM and say, get that fucking movie out of the theaters right now, mister. And then they all start picketing and and you know they're on television and they're clutching their pearls and saying, oh my goodness, about the children. I just think it all comes down to boredom. Just looking for an outlet and they're finding it in things that are offensive controversial. Yeah. Yeah, well, same thing with, you know, even if we just go back to, to, you know, not not too long ago with the first Deadpool movie, and, you know, parents were getting upset about the Deadpool movie, and Ryan Reynolds himself, you know, put out ads going, this is not a comic book movie, this is rated R, there it is, right there on the fucking poster, there's the big R, all right, we've got lots of blood, lots of violence, Excuse me. Lots of cursing in the movie. This is not a family comic movie. So I want to sit there and hear you bitching when I tell you all this, and you still bring your damn kids to the movie theater. He, you know, and he specifically says, "Leave your kids at home. If you want to come see the movie, awesome, but leave your kids at home. This is not a movie for them." But yet, parents still got all riled up. You know, going, "What are you doing calling this a comic movie? You know, why has Marvel got its stamp on it?" And it's like. Because it's a rated R Marvel character. But we told you in advance, don't get all fucking riled up. We told you, don't bring your damn kids. What did you do? You brought your damn kids. You know? <laughs> yeah. Is it, it, it because you couldn't find a babysitter? Or did your kids actually want to go see Deadpool? You know, for me, it was seeing the little kids wearing Deadpool t-shirts where I was like, do you guys really understand what this character is? I mean, yeah, he's funny. <laughs> yeah, he's there's a lot to that character that is not very kid appropriate. 
And I'm not one who can't watch what he wants. I don't have kids of my own. But even if I did, I wouldn't really censor so much of what they watch, but instead watch it with them and explain to them what's happening. You know, I mean, of course, I wouldn't want my four-year-old watching an R-rated movie, but if he happened to see it on television and wanted to know what it is, then I would have no problem kind of sitting down with him and, and explaining what it is and why it's not appropriate for him to be watching. I just, you just got to take responsibility. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like, well, it was it's it's exactly like what you said. Like because last summer, remember um, when my son was up, you know, we, we did the whole marathon of, you know, eighties booby movies, if you will, you know, Revenge of the Nerds, Porky's, all that kind of stuff. Because us growing up, you know, in that time, around thirteen was the age when you started to find these movies. And since he didn't have an older brother sit there and be a bad influence on him, you know, I've got to do the same thing. But I'm there with him, you know, being like, you know, this this is funny humor. This is awesome funny humor. Yeah, it's edgy, you know, yeah, there's boobs, yeah, they're doing lots of stuff. But then, you know, like you and I did when we sat down with him to watch Revenge of the Earth, we were like, okay. We After some scenes, we'd pause it and be like, all right, here's what you never, ever, ever fucking do. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things, yeah. You know, and I, I don't want to give the audience the, the sense that my parents basically just said, here's the remote, you can watch whatever you want. You know, I'm, I'm sure that they would have had problems with me watching uh, RoboCop when I was five <laughs> and loving the hell out of it because – I'm sure that they wouldn't like the fact that I was watching Porky's and, and uh, Bench of the Nerd, but at the time, as a kid, I didn't really understand it. Like, I didn't really get the fact that it was kind of inappropriate. You know, they were just funny. You know, they were just silly uh, comedies. And then you watch it as an adult, and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, he really did that. And he really pushed <laughs> off of that one. That's kind of wrong. But at the same time, as a kid, you're just like, oh, that's hilarious. The nerd got the girl. Yeah, but also you brought up a really great example of growing up in the you know eighties is Robocop itself because that thing was marketed to kids. You know, it was marketed as an action movie. It had its own toy line. It had you know uh, it had its own cartoon series afterwards. Uh, um, I, I believe DC Comics actually put. Did uh, the movie adaptation of it as well? You know, there was lots of marketing to kids, and you know, that was the weird thing is, growing up in the '80s, bloody action movies were considered family entertainment. It was okay for us to watch all of that stuff together as a family, but then to, you know, again, cycle back around. Hence, for big, you listen to some cursing that's actually on a metal album. You know, or them talking about having sex, even though in RoboCop, you, know, you have the elected official sniffing cocaine off a prostitute's ass. Okay, because again, it's act, you know '80s action movie <laughs> blockbusters. You know that we're all supposed to watch together as a family unit. <laughs> no, there's nothing says you know family movie like watching a guy in with CCP explode, like you know a water balloon. <laughs> you know, it's sort of kind of crazy, but it's all. Space. The 80s were just a fun time where basically anybody said whatever works, works. So, uh, Robocop, get some kids' toys out there, make a cartoon. Rambo, same thing. Mentally deranged, you know, Vietnam War vet, got to have toys, got to have a cereal line. Kids are going to want those knives and that gun, you know, from that movie that they shouldn't ever watch, not for them. Look at Toxic Avenger. 
that got a cartoon series back in the 90s, Toxic Crusaders. And that movie is definitely not for kids. But, yep, there was a toy line, video games, you know, the whole nine yards for Trauma's Toxic Avengers. So that's a time when if you create some property, it could be done. Look at Freddy Krueger. Look how massive that character became uh, in the 80s with all the stuff that he had. So, I mean, uh, so I'm going to put a cap around that for now. We could go back to the conversation. Um, oh, no, we don't. Okay, I thought that I had the guess, but it looks like he hung up. But anyway, we're going to continue that. But, yeah, Freddy Krueger, uh, child killer, had action figures for kids and little hand puppets and little gloves and costumes and, and stuff like that for kids. A, a child murderer, but also a child molester as Wes Craven originally had intended, and yet there's marketed towards kids. <laughs> it's just, you yeah, couldn't yeah. do that now. <laughs> yeah, because, because you had the, uh, the, the, you know, you had the figures, you had the giant pl- talking plush doll that you pulled the string, and, you know, oh, Freddy's going to get you. Arr. You know, <laughs> him showing up on Arsenio Hall and shit. Um. Yeah, you know, it just, it was, those movies, though, towards the end, though, where they, they really were for the kids. I mean, you watch Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and it is very much for children. You know, they the aren't really that bloody. They're over the top. They're cartoonish. Um, yeah, they're definitely marketing it towards kids. They wanted kids to be seen. Yeah, you're right. They 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 did uh, dumb it down some uh you know, with, with the storytelling too, they they got away from the whole thing that was the basis behind '80s horror of you know bad teenagers going around having sex, smoking weed, drinking beer, and then they all get killed by your serial killer. You know, <laughs> the later Nightmare movies were definitely veering away from that stereotype. Yeah, it's just because kids were, you know, back in the kids were kind of clamoring for that type of stuff. <clears throat> to see Freddie and Jason and, and not so much Michael. I, I mean, I, I think I was the Michael guy as a kid. I don't, there wasn't a lot of kids that were in the Michael Myers like I was. Uh, there wasn't a lot, everybody was in the Jason or Freddie. Those you, yeah. You know, that's all the costumes you see. Michael. Yeah, when it comes to the, to, yeah, when it comes to the main franchises, you're right. Like, Michael was the line. It was like, you know, because you had, you had your Freddie kids, you had your Jason kids, but then once you stepped over that line to Michael, you're going into darker territory. It's like, you know, that, that was a line that you were no longer watching just the popular stuff with the popular girls. You know, that was you actually declaring you're watching horror. Yeah, it was, it was more off the, the – even though Michael technically is the, the proto-slasher uh, – starting with the first one in 78. Yeah, that was kind of the one that was a little bit darker, one that uh, kids didn't really gravitate towards because Freddy and Jason were a little bit more fun. Um, and that's why I always took it as. That's why you never really saw kids wearing Michael Myers masks. And plus, they didn't really mass market those things like they did with the hockey mask or the burnt Freddy face. So Michael was a little bit harder. But uh, I'm going to curb that, uh, Monkey, if you don't mind, because I do believe we have our guest uh, with us, Joe Trump. I'm going to bring him on oh, and let's oh. uh, get this interview going. Oh, all right, very good. Hello, this is Joe. Hi. Hi, this is. This, uh, Hi, hey, man. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Terror, man. <laughs> Hi. Thank you for having me. Sorry, I, it took a little while. Uh, I've just, I've, I've been, I'm setting up this other movie and just so much, 
uh, on phone, having to run over here, run over there. It's just been crazy. <laughs> oh, no, not a problem at all. And, and we won't take up too much of your time, but we did just want to bring you on uh, just to talk a little bit about horror movies, talk about what you're up to, um, you know, what you're working oh, yeah. on right now, because like you said, you're a man. Uh, but so let's kick it off real quick with just, it looks like through your IMDb page, you've done everything but cater a movie. Like, it looks like yeah. I just didn't bring in donuts <laughs> and everything else. Yeah, uh, uh, so, yeah, no, I, I started out a long time ago uh, just loving movies and said, hey, you know what? I want to I wanna make horror movies. I want to make this movie and that movie. How do I do it? I only have a dollar. So I learned how to do all of the special effects, makeup effects, visual effects, and I've won awards for every single thing I've done, and I just, uh, you know, just tested all these crazy different effects on myself by making monsters and putting liquid latex in my eyes in this or that, whatever orifices I could to make some weird effect I could. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, it it turned out a pretty lucrative thing because uh, now we're – you know, like we're working with MGM on a few projects. Uh, I, we're working with a couple other people who uh, who've seen our abilities and said, you know what? Hey, let's let's see uh, what else you can do with more money. And that's one thing I'd like to sit there and talk to you about with your movies, man. Is I from what we've checked out of your stuff, man. I just got to say, I really love the fact that your effects are like 90% practical and 10% CGI. And I, I love the practicals that you build in the movies. I love that they're all goopy and gory and just a wet mess. It's it's just beautiful to see those kinds of sculpts in movies again, man. (laughs) Well, and, and that's the thing we, we always try to do is if we're making a horror movie, you know, part of what actually makes things scary and, and actually, you can look at movies such as, like, the original Thing versus, like, the remake of The Thing, uh, or I, I guess prequel. The reason why you didn't have that, that sense of disgust is because you didn't have the goop. You didn't have the, the, the slime. You didn't have any of that texture that just adds that added quality of, of creepiness, of just disgust. And... Um, that's that's you have to have that. I mean, even right now we're doing a uh, a post-apocalyptic kind of horror esque uh, movie, and it's we we are a hundred percent. We're putting majority of the money uh, into the blood and the gore and all practical effects. If you we're blowing things up, if we're if we're you know. Uh, jamming, a, jamming a gun barrel down somebody's throat and it's all ripping their jaw off and their throat's bulging out. That's all practical. Everything is practical. That is awesome, man. Uh, j- just because with your effects, it's like from what I've seen, it's like you definitely have a touch of Stan Winston in there. You, you definitely have some Cronenberg. <laughs> and uh, for me personally, from what I saw, I took away from, uh, there was definitely a big touch of horror anime in there just because you like to use a lot of giant snapping mouths and stuff like that. And it's just, <laughs> I just wanted, I, I just wanted to ask you and then King, you can go ahead um, with the effects just cause like, that's my thing. I just fucking love effects, man. Um, do, do, do you and your, do you think you and your brother have developed your own personal style yet for 
you know, effect? You, know, well, you think you've developed a trademark? Okay, so it really depends on what we're doing. So when we did the films, uh, like when we started doing uh, a lot of lower-budget uh, horror movies, we said, okay, well, we're going to have a kind of a feel, uh, something that actually just draws people in. We're going to have a, a horror-esque kind of comedy, but it's also going to be gory. It's also going to have that horror. It's also going to have that suspense, and it's going to be disgusting. But at the same time, we want to have this humor aspect, this playful aspect to it. And um, that's, just, that's just something that kind of you know, set us ahead of the game, and people – just enjoyed watching the movie and didn't really, they, they, they were in on the ride with us. They were in on the joke with us. It's like, don't take every character too seriously. Don't take any of this because we're not trying to change and revolutionize the genre when we have under a hundred thousand dollars. How are we going to do that? So, you know, we were like, let's just have a tongue in cheek kind of monster horror esque Sam Raimi kind of feel to these things. And, but also add our own twist of, body mutilation, body horror, and, and our own little um, uh, just flavor, and that's just us and who, what we want to bring to the table. That is awesome. Okay, Andy, I, I burned up a couple minutes. How about you go? <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed. I didn't think you were going to ask that many, but great. Um, but honestly, where, where did it begin for you in terms of the genre that you think was horror? Were you and you know, brother always fans of it? You know, like we are, I mean, we do a podcast dedicated to horror films, but was it that or was it just a, this is a good genre to get into? We could get messy, we could have fun, so let's do it. Well, honestly, no, that, that's the thing is I've, I've always been a huge fan of horror. I mean, I have a, I mean, I'm turning around right now, I'm looking at my DVD collection of over 4,000 DVDs. Uh, I have my own Damn. horror side, I have my own business. I mean, it's the passion of mine is not just film in general, but I love horror and I love all of the different genres of it and even subgenres. And there's just so much you can do because it's the real, you know, science has proven that if you have, if you're watching a regular movie, just any movie whatsoever, it could be action or anything, your brain only does so much uh, activity. When you're watching a horror movie, your brain is all moving about. There's so much more activity going on. There's something different about the horror genre that invites people in. That, mo- that genre can actually, you can have a no-name anybody, and actually that adds to the movie because now anybody is expen- expendable. Anybody can die. It's a whole different breed in itself because you're not challenging the person saying, hey, are you going to be afraid? Can you survive? Can you do this? You're also saying, hey, you know what? You know it's going to be cheesy, but are you going to enjoy yourself? Are you going to laugh? Are you going to find it funny? Are you going to... There's so much more that brings you in. And then if you're watching like an action movie and the action is absolutely horrendous, you're not having a good time. You only have one thing to, to, you know, to set up and achieve good action. Over here in horror, there's so many different variables that you can change and say, you know what, maybe the gore is not going to be that great, but it's going to be funny as hell, or it's going to be this way, or we're going to do this and try suspense. We're going to do this or this or that. There's so many other variables. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That is man. awesome, man. To your point, <laughs> that the movies that I love are all from like the 60s, 70s, and 80s when you didn't know who the fuck anybody was. Like, that's not genuinely <laughs> Curtis. You know, that's not somebody famous in this movie. So if they get an axe to the face, you're not going to be like, well, man, that guy's out. Like, I didn't know who he was. Anybody's up for grabs. You know, anybody could be the one to get the death, but it's not going to be like, oh, I know Jamie Lee Curtis is going to survive this. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. <laughs> it's not, oh, yeah. Kind of girl as we know. It makes it so much more entertaining. But is there something in the horror genre that you feel like is just completely overdone? And I'll give you an example, and that's the, the mirror gag. I feel like that just needs to be retired. <laughs> you push up the mirror, nothing there. And then you go for a zombie. Please stop doing that. It's cheap and it's overdone. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? Um, there's, I, I, I am so sick and tired of the, uh, the throw a cat in the middle of the scene. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. But you know what? Just throw a cat. We haven't had any kind of jump scares in a while. Throw a cat out there. Okay, there we go. It's just, and then hit it with the musical That's the chain. cheapest thing ever. Yeah, that's the cheapest thing ever. It's like, you know what? We, there's, there's nothing good in the story that's going on, so let's just throw shit out there and see what happens. No, I hate that. I hate that. Um, but, you know, we've used the, the mirror gag. In Lake Fear 3, we used the mirror gag in a way, but, uh, but what happened was the monster actually came out of the mirror, and mm-hmm. then uh, and we tried to keep it funny. So when the monster came out of the mirror and it's all this like horrific thing, the main character is, or the, the, this one character, he's like, do you know who I am? I'm the guy with a failing TV show with two viewers that I know of. And he goes on this rant right before he's like, like yeah, he's going he's gonna to get set up for something cool. And then he just gets his ass kicked by this monster and, and he ends up losing both of his legs and he's sitting there, uh, has, has, uh, a leg missing and smoking a cigarette while everybody else is still dealing with all the horror. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it, it, it's just crazy stuff. I like, I like adding stuff that just, you're like, okay, li- there's a kind of a cliche, but hey, how can we manipulate this a little bit and just have fun with it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was earned. In- <laughs> That's great. What I like about that one is that when I was watching it with the monkey, at the end of that movie, when you have the final girl and you have our very much homage to me anyway of Ash gearing up, putting on all the gear, we fight, and then it goes to credits. I was like, you know what? That's fucking genius. That he puts this, we have to fight at the end, right before the credits. I was like, that makes you want to hold on. And you're like, all right, where's part four? Now i got to see where he's going to be in part four because we have this thing. Yeah. Who includes the thing on top of that? I was like, this guy earned everything. The ending was just such a capper to a great movie. Yeah, but then at the end of Lake Fear 3, when you gave us your bit of the end credit scene of you two just getting pissed off at each other and throwing the tire around and shit like that, we were fucking rolling to that part, man. <laughs> just you two getting pissed off. <laughs> just throw the spare. Well, <laughs> that was – that's fair. You know, the sad thing is that was supposed to lead into Anna 2, which was, uh, uh, um, uh, it, it changed names. I think it's, uh, the Devil's Fairground. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, so, Devil's Fairground slash Anna 2 now. 
<laughs> award-winning yeah, movie, and, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And so that movie, um, what's funny is that was supposed to lead to that, and the character uh, that played Vincent was supposed to show back up. And it, and it, that was his, like, prequel. So, like, Devil's Fairground was supposed to be the prequel to uh, Lake Fair 3. And he honestly could not come back because just so many just that's the thing that i hate is whenever you have sequels and you're like oh why is that not the same actor well you know things happen outside of everything that just ruins and ruins things he he went on a whole different career path and decided not to do film anymore and just it, we we lost a little bit of something with that, but I, I think with the sequel of it or, or the prequel, basically, uh, I think we did a little bit more of a. Well, uh, uh, let me stop for a second. So in the Lake Fear series, when we did Lake Fear One and Lake Fear Three, we didn't do Lake Fear Two because that uh, the the distribution company hired somebody else, and we were like, hey, can can we? at least make a sequel to our stuff. And they were like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, here, do, do like Fear 3. But between that stuff, we did the movie Anna, which was just two dumb guys dealing with the paranormal and accidentally causing it to happen and accidentally killing people. And they were just dumb. <laughs> and so we were like, what if we interject them into the same world so you have this stupidity, which is just them. They're the ones who's stupid. And have them in this, and they're fighting monsters, and they're getting into the Lake Fear world. And um, our kind of push into that was the Devil's Fairground. And there, we weren't able to actually... So the set... The day of, when we were filming, the set, we had this 200-mile-an-hour wind out of nowhere came in, and you hear my brother's son yelling, hold the sails, and the whole entire set gets ripped apart and just thrown oh. in the air. And, and so, like, I, was, uh, I just watched as thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just, of just set just gets ripped into pieces. So we had to, oh, we had to come up with a really cool way. <laughs> to redo everything. So we actually made every set into a miniature. We shot everything blank and on like green screens in the area. And then we made miniatures for the entire set. We made an entire hallway of hair of miniatures. And so uh, when these, when this character is like, you know, he has his legs broken and he's rolling through the hallway of hair and he's getting tangled into in it and monsters are coming out of each of the wall that's, you know, they're attached to the hair and, and attacking him. That was all going to be practical. Well, we couldn't do that anymore. So we had to do it all on a miniature and then do it practically in certain other more creative ways. So just the whole movie became this, uh, okay, we just, we just lost everything we just had. How do we fix this? And that's the fun thing about making movies is sometimes it's just a giant Rubik's cube of, Okay, problem, solve it. <laughs> what Man, that, 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 that sounds like such a Sam Raimi situation there. <laughs> Everything just goes to crap and you got to find a way to make it work. 
That is incredible. Um, so what, what, uh, what genres of horror? Like, what, where do you land? I know you got over four thousand, this huge library, but you know, what do you typically find yourself gravitating towards? Uh, a lot of it. Well, honestly, um, you know, it, I I like. I mean, that, that to me, that's like saying, you know, um, what do you feel like watching right now? Uh, you know, it, it just changes constantly. Um, I know lately there's a movie I was developing called Sandman, and that movie is more – it's not going to be humorous in any way. Um, it's kind of going off on the idea of the uh, creature that can manipulate your uh, – manipulate the world through your own uh, dreams. Uh, kind of Freddy-esque, but literally creates its own world out of your own dreams. And then that becomes real. Uh, so it's a lot of gore, a lot of just, we're, we're talking disturbing factor. And so I've been really into the um, disturbing kind of film. And that's its own subgenre. We're talking like, like Itchy the Killer kind of disturbing, where it's like, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, this is just, we could turn this off any time and not, not you know, uh, I'll be fine. But I want to add the, the actual feelings to it where you're like, oh, I really have to finish it. This is, it's, it's disturbing and it's trying to force me to turn it off, but I can't look away. It's beautiful. Uh, and so we're going into that aspect with that movie. So I've been kind of in that mindset. So you want to sit there and push it to where, you, uh, if we can go there, you want to try and without pushing it maybe so far, you want to be the next Dare movie. Like you want to sit there and be the next Serbian film where you want to make a movie so disturbing that it's going to be a dare for people to watch it. No, because I feel like a Serbian film, I, I honestly, I feel like it was cheap, cheap scares. So it was yes. like, it was cheap yeah. disturbing <laughs> so do we. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I feel like, no, no, like, okay, so in, in like The Devil's Fairground, we just, I just tried to do little things to kind of a hint and just see how people reacted to it. In there, you don't know this, but the, uh, the creatures knew that this one character, when they were younger, had an abortion. So when this person is in this like almost infinite looking like water, there's voices talking to her and it's, it's, it's talking about, it, it sounds like, you know, a, a little child talking to her and then out, if she gets drugged under the water for a second and then out comes this mangled hand holding this baby fetus and it's playing with it in front of her face. And then like, you just have just these disturbing things that you're seeing and you're experiencing, but it's all a part of an integral part of the movie. It's, it has a certain reason. So when in like Sandman, what I want to do is I want to have there, – there's a, there's a scene in there where one of the characters was tied up to a chair because uh, of just circumstances. Of just, but it was like it was it – was, more of a humorous offbeat circumstances, but then the creature is like one of the creatures is like this, this girl who has all these saw blades throughout her entire body. And she goes over there and she starts like 
giving this guy a lap dance, cutting him into pieces <laughs> at the same time, splitting him open. So you have this kind of this lustful attraction. You're like, oh, this is hot. Oh, no, this is not. And you're seeing it in all of its gory detail. I mean, you're seeing flesh split open. You're seeing all of this, this stuff. And so it's not just like, hey, we're going to torture somebody. It's You're seeing these monsters that are almost, in a, in a way, Hellraiser-esque uh, kind of monsters that are actively injuring and doing these things to people, but it's in a very weird, different way that you haven't seen. Try, trying to find a way to give a man his weirdest erection ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think that's a great point, though, and I'm glad that you brought it up about the uh, Serbian film. Because I, I've heard that from so many people saying that it's just it's so shocking and disturbing, and really it's just the shock value film. You know, the shock in that movie to me isn't earned because it's just so forced. Like it's just we are trying to force you to be as grossed out as possible. Uh, it's not like a Singapore uh, Singapore Sling from 1990 or, or Sallow. You know, those type of movies that really kind of earn it because it's also kind of artistic. Like Kenneth was the devil. Uh, a huge movie for me, where it's like that movie's controversial, it's disturbing, it's gross in a lot of ways, but it's a throwing at you where you're like, look at every scene, look how fucked up I can be. Like, disturbing well, genre you know, horror is... Oh, yeah, and, you know, the thing is, I think disturbing kind of horror, kind of, people always think of movies that do torture. And I, I yeah. hate that idea. You know, you look at a movie like uh, um, uh, like a Martyrs. Martyrs the first half of the movie was not this torture-esque kind of movie. And then it became a torture-esque kind of movie. But even then, the torture wasn't anything outlandish. It was like, oh, at the end of the movie, she gets all her skin removed. Okay, that's it. And you're like, eh, okay. I mean, eh. But then you have movies like, when I say like a movie like Itchy the Killer, well, the, the thing that is disturbing is like you have this guy who who – out of nowhere, he's seeing this girl almost getting raped and stuff, and, and he goes over there and saves her and kills the guy. And she's like, oh, thank you for saving me. And he's like, no, no, no. I killed him so I can rape you. And so you have this disturbing – you're like, that's disturbing. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. And then he brutally, you know, kills her. And 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 it's just the, the, the fact of the subject matter is disturbing. It doesn't have to be – hey, I'm going to be just tortured. And that's what everybody thinks is disturbing. Oh, I'm going to watch somebody just sit there and get tortured. It's like, uh, that's a cop-out to me. It's really really just a cop-out. Yeah, I yeah. agree, yeah. man. Um, is Because, like the king was saying, <clears throat> excuse me, with a Serbian film, like it's great to sit there and have those moments, but you need to have, it it needs to be story driven. It it needs to sit there and bring you in on an emotional level, other than just to see if you can outlast it. You know, it, it, like you said earlier, man. You know, harm makes the brain work on so many different levels. But I found it like with a Serbian film, I got bored fast because it was just tension, exactly. tension, tension, but no up and down. For you know, a good horror movie needs to be a good roller coaster. You got to have your ups and downs, man. And it's when you just go up and then keep the tension up the entire time, you, you get bored with it, man. You, you need to have a story to flow with the effects. Okay, so mm -hmm. I have a question and, for you guys. So what? What if you if you could say, hey, 
if somebody says, I've never seen a horror movie ever, what is your go-to for them to begin watching? What is your top three? Just to introduce them, just to push them into the world of horror. Okay, I'll go first. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it would be um, to introduce them, period. It would be uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Just because <laughs> I, 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 I fucking love the Shioto Brothers effects in that movie. That's the movie that I popped my hard cherry to. So, yeah, that's my f- number one go-to to ease them into it. And then we go trick-or-treat. And then it would have to be Friday 13th Part 4 would be my stuff just because, uh, again, I'm all about the effects <laughs> and stuff like that. And plus, I'm a cheap date, man. I, I can't really get into the deep stuff. <laughs> but King of Horror... All right, man, what is your top three, man? Well, I mean, just like what movie am I going to watch tonight? This is very hard, but uh, if I'm introducing somebody, I know I've been asked this before, and I always try to give the same three answers, even though it's constantly changing. Uh, but I would have to go with Evil Dead 2 from 1987 just because of the comedy and because of the gore, and how could you not leave that movie with a smile? Uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Master 1974 would be another one that you just want to get the right to that hot, steamy Texas, you know, summer with Leatherface and his chainsaw, perfect. And Trick or Treat from 1986, Demi Kerr. And that soundtrack by Fastway. <laughs> and Skippy from Family Ties. It's a great Halloween movie and it's so metal because I'm such a huge fan of that subgenre of the 80s, of 80s metal horror movies. Like, that's like the game. So that's, that's a movie oh, like, intro. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. so you're going Trick or Treat versus my Trick or Treat. Okay. <laughs> what about you? Uh, okay, so yeah, see, I would go a different route. I would, I would say, okay, so if somebody is first introduced to horror, I would say, okay, you're going to have to see one where pretty much all horror originated. Either they're going to watch Alien or they're going to watch Jaws. Now, when I say all horror originated not uh, i'm not talking about oh look there's there's dracula way back when there's all this there's all these things that happened way back when before that but the modern everyday horror originated from jaws or alien you could there is where you got your uh jump scares there's is where you had the certain amount of tension building that actually came with a stinger that actually every trope that you see nowadays can be pushed back to those two movies. And before that, nobody did it in exact same sequence. Now I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying sequentially in the, in the, in the way that it is packaged there, it never happened before that. So I would probably say, okay, so either they would have to watch one of those just to see the origins of where it began. Um, and then, of course, you know, you have to think of, okay, what is a huge thing that everybody sees? Everybody sees uh, ghost uh, movies, you know, paranormal. Well, you know, I think one of the quintessential uh, most um, perfect packaged uh, ghost movies, it has to be The Conjuring. Uh, the Conjuring came out, and it actually mixed a little bit of the uh, Exorcist kind of feeling to it, the Possession movie. And so, it, you know, you push that one is a good uh, starting off point. And then if you want to get people into a more of like a more darker kind of horror, 
Yeah, I would go Event Horizon because then you get that that actual that dark. Um, now I'm still talking about uh, if you're going for like the haunted house aspect, you could go with Event Horizon or you can go with with uh, the the Conjuring. One of those two for that, but you have to really kind of judge that. So. Uh, Keep in mind, I always go two for for each one of these things. So, and then my third pick, <laughs> my third pick would, you know, you would actually have to go. Okay, so what's a monster movie? You have, you, first of all, yeah, you kind of go monster movie with the alien. You go uh, with Jaws and Alien, and then you kind of go paranormal and ghosts. But then you need a suspenseful movie. Then you need you need the the actual building of attention and stuff. And I would go with either a Mothman Prophecies just to kind of show people, hey, look, this is psychological. Or you would go with something that's more of like um, like The Omen or something where it's all just – it's not really what you see. It's what you're feeling with it. And so I, I would show them all three of those different types of horror so they understand where horror can go in all of its little directions. Mm. All right, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess when you're saying Event Horizon, you're talking about the um, 90s remake, not the original one, right? Yeah, I'm talking about 1998. Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, <laughs> but, yeah, but then again with the Omen, you also uh, – made a good point here um which is something we talk about a lot on the show when we t- cover movies is with the omen you were talking about it's not what you see it's what you feel and we think as much as as your effects are so much fucking fun and they really fucking are um that's a, another big thing that the king and i talk about with horror movies is also a lot of times it's what you don't see you know and you know our is the director and the writer able to be able to tell a story without having to show everything 100% of the time? Well, you know, actually that, that is, it is very difficult because you, you have to ride a fine line there because uh, there was a movie. Oh my God. Why did it just slip my mind? Uh, The Babadook that came out and everybody was like, Oh my God, you have to see this because I, I was working on a project at the time. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't uh, doing anything for like at least three months just working on this project. And then I decided to watch it and I'm like, I I get really annoyed because I'm like, why didn't you show me anything? (laughs) You know, show me something. (laughs) Now I'm fine with, you know, Jaws would have been a terrible movie if you saw the shark through the entire movie, uh, which that makes it a grand mistake. But there's certain times when you need to see the shark. You need to see the monster. You need to see something. When you, if you go the entire movie like in Bird Box and you don't see anything, you just feel let down and you feel disappointed. You're like, why, why did I watch this? Yeah, the story was interesting. Yes, all of this happened, but I feel cheated by the filmmakers. There's only so yeah, much and you, you can do without showing anything. Yeah, and you bring up a good point about Baba Duke because I was just extremely let down by that movie. But then, like you said, with the original Alien movie, a lot of it is, you know, what's going on in the shadows, what's going on in the dark. You know, it's it's as much as, as it's great because of its creature effects, it's also really good for what it doesn't show you because of what's constantly in the shadows. Exactly. Well, the and what people don't realize is a lot of my movies, and I'll notice this a lot, people are always like – 
you know, your movie is really dark. And I was like, yes, because the darkness has is its own character in the movie. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> Do you watch horror movies? Because it's an homage to all horror. <laughs> As it should yeah, be. we, we did notice terrible. we did notice that when we did watch Lake Fear three. What's funny is Lake Fear One um Lake Fear One actually was it, what we did was we said, okay, we're going to make a movie. And it, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how crazy. Uh, so we only had like $5,000 and we said, you know what? Hey guys, let's bring friends of ours together and let's make a weird movie. We're going to go up through the ages of movie making. So we're going to start the movie off looking like it's 1970s kind of horror movie. And then uh, after every like 10 or 15 minutes, it's going to look like it's an 80s movie, a 90s movie. And then we're going to go through the years of horror and we're going to hit every trope and we're going to hit everything. And it's going to be nothing but a huge movie of homages to all other horror movies, uh, to all of the horror genres. So there's like, it's funny because there's people that have like IMDB, like giant web pages of just, hey, can you get all. 250 plus uh, homages that they did and uh, that, like they go through all of these different things hey did you get this did you get, find this oh, which ones did you find out and it's, it's a lot of fun and uh, I think you know there's certain movies that you make for people who enjoy this kind of genre if you make a movie like okay, it's chapter one okay, that's made for anybody to come in and whatever. But when you don't have that kind of budget, when you don't have $20 million to make a movie, you're like, okay, well, you know what? Who's going to enjoy my movie? People who are horror fans, the horror fans that enjoy the strange. Okay, well, let's make a movie catering to that, to those people, that those fans. So you'll have – we knew for a fact when we got – so when we were getting uh, reviews, it's like, they're, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. That's, that's how that's, this is going to be. You're going to either love it or you're going to hate it. Yeah, well, that, that's what happens in a lot of uh, the horror community, though, man, is, you know, the horror fans, you know, they either love you or they hate you. They, you know, they horror fans, you know, can be some, you know, they can almost be as bad as comic book fans. <laughs> 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 you know, no, I, I, yeah. I think they're more forgiving. <laughs> if you can hit them with like a one good shot, you know, then they'll forgive you. Like that movie sucks, but that that one shot, mm-hmm. yep, that got me. That was like this movie is worth it. <laughs> you know, a lot of these fans act, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where you never know how it's going to go. You know, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, Adam Green. And the Hatchet movies, because those are movies that were made for me. Like, it's like Adam uh-huh. Green was saying, I know these horror movies. I know you love slashers. I'm going to give you everything, and it's going to be fun. But there's other people who are like, you know, they suck, and they're boring, and they're just gore for gore. And it's like, well, you either get it or you don't, or you hate it or you don't. It's, walk that thin line. Now, he's one, of those, he's one of those directors that I actually um, I respect, but – he let me down when he made that documentary. Uh, when he made oh, that fake documentary, I, I, 
the name of it is slipping my mind oh, right now. But is, uh, is that the bones of the marrow? Yes, is, digging is up the marrow. King? Oh, digging up the yeah, marrow. Yeah, digging up the marrow. Digging up the marrow. Mm-hmm. I loved where that was heading. I loved the direction. I loved the artistic direction and everything. And then it was one of those things where you're like, oh, so I don't, I don't see anything. Nothing happened. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get to see any of the coolness of it. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Left to your imagination. <laughs> yeah, for me that movie is like, well, I enjoy the Hatchet movies. I, I gotta agree with you. That one graded me a little bit because I was, you know, not digging so much on the meta, and uh, the, the product placement was just a bit on the absurd for me <laughs> in that movie. But but you know, I actually right after that, I actually I said, you know what, we're gonna make a we're gonna make a uh, uh, a found footage kind of movie. So we made a found footage called, movie called The Rejected. And we did every practical effect in that. We had so many practical effects. And we just, we just said, hey, we can, I can do something crazy here at home and do all this crazy stuff. So well, I lived at a friend's cabin for like, or uh, I say cabin. I mean, he lives in a normal home. But uh, but we lived over there for like a week and a half, and he was also one of the main stars. And we just did this crazy, uh, crazy alien, uh, aliens abducting him kind of uh, uh, just found footage film. But he had two cameras at all times, and at certain points, like he even gets knocked out, and he's getting drug away by hovering and floating in midair. And it's like, okay, well, I want to be able to see this at all times. And in two different angles from the camera, one camera is actually being drugged by his hand. And so let's actually have a split screen and show that. And so you can see, and there's no CGI. There's not, nothing. Everything is all on camera. And so we have all of these amazing effects. And then at one point, he even goes into the, the alien's uh, spaceship, and he's in all this goop, and there's all this practical effects and places and we uh, i also did all this cool stuff to these people to make them look like aliens and just completely outlandish stuff but it's it does not look hokey at all to the point of it actually became so popular and people were actually saying oh my my daughter was abducted by aliens and i've never seen her again everybody look this movie right here this is exactly what my daughter has experienced, and I just felt so bad that I had to send him a message. The movie's fake <laughs> because the, the distributor marketed it as real. The distributed marketer marketed it as real, and so I had to tell so many people and come out and go. By the way, it's fake. The whole movie's fake. It's all a joke. It's all because you know uh, it went off on a point of view horror, and so it. It's got a following, and so many people took it as, like, MUFON took it and said, oh, this is real documented footage and, and stuff. And we had to go, no, stop it. <laughs> that is awesome, man. But you run that gamut, though, when you do the sound footage thing. You know, some people making it completely real. I mean, I remember uh, back in 2009, the Osanami movie, uh, The Fourth Kind, which is about alien abduction. I mean, they had Mila Jovovich yeah. doing the whole <laughs> PSG. You know? 
about it. Like, you know, this is real. What you're about to watch is very real. And everything happened in Nome, Alaska, and it's, you know, like, but it's not real. It's, it's not, not real at all. <laughs> the fact that they go that far <laughs> with it sometimes it gets people to believe in it. it it's great, but I don't know. Foul footage for me is just kind of hard. I mean, it's either hit or miss with foul footage. It's just, sometimes it can be really great, like Man Bites Dog, or sometimes it just can be very just bad, like <laughs> with, them, with the, oh, the glut of foul footage. It's so easy to do. Anybody but, can. Grab a can. Grab you know what friends, it is. Go to the woods. You're right. But, but what it is is you have to – we found ways to make it highly entertaining. So, like, like mm-hmm. one of the characters in the movie – he he's finding all of these like little um, you know pieces of metal stuck in his body and he's cu- cu- cutting them out constantly. Well, what I did was I would make an entire prosthetic that's on his leg, and I would say, okay, and, uh, go ahead and dig a, dig around in there. And he goes, well, where is it? And I go, I'm not telling you. We're filming this. Thing. <laughs> I'm not I'm not telling you at all. So it's going to be as realistic as possible. You're digging around in your leg. You go find that thing. <laughs> it's just all it you made it fun. That, you that turned into a scavenger hunt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I was like, by the way, if you cut too deep, that's real flesh now. So <laughs> we we made sure it was safe enough. But no, he he, he did have a scalpel, and so I mean, you could pierce through it. I just I mean, I actually on one of our films, you see uh, stunts. If you do them incorrectly, bad things can happen. So, like, I've been on the films that I've done, if I ever have to do, like, a character or anything, I've been gutted uh, from my sternum down to my belly button. I've been completely gutted uh, accidentally. The stunt guy didn't do it right. So then I said, screw it, just let light me on fire, and then take me to the hospital. <laughs> uh, oh, shit, dude. I've, uh, I've had my... I've had three fingers cut in half and I had to glue it back on. I glued because we were like hours and hours away from my hospital. So we just glued my thumb back on. Uh, I've had my nose completely removed. Uh, I mean, I could go on, on and on, but that's why I like, I actually take pictures of all the, the gory details that have happened to me. <laughs> and so I'm like, Hey, look, Oh, I need a, I need a nail through somebody's finger. No, look, that's a real nail through somebody's finger. That's mine. <laughs> okay. Oh, I know how it's going to actually look. <laughs> hey, you want to know what it's like to actually see your nose missing? Oh, that's me actually with my nose missing. Hey, there you go. That's what it's going to look like. <laughs> so, you know, I, I actually, uh, when I, even when I make like blood, I don't just make one set of fake blood. I, don't, I never go to the store and buy it. I make my own blood. And I have like 20 different shades. It depends. Like, hey, is is this person getting hit by an artery? Boom! Here's arterial blood. Is this person more overweight? Normal, normally, overweight people have more slower blood. So it's darker. It's molasses. Um, if, is this character drinking a lot of water? If so, the blood is a lot thinner. It's more runny. It's actually brighter. So I mean, I have I go into the science of blood because I've seen a lot of blood. <laughs> Okay, uh, so, so okay, so you have to be very serious and very safe when it comes to your stunts, and that's awesome. That again, because you're IMDb, you do fucking everything, including stunts. Um, to have all that knowledge while you're on set, just for shits and grins here, 
have you also been known to be a prankster on the set while you're shooting? Well, <laughs> or are you are, are you are are you 100% serious all the time when it comes to being on set? Okay, it depends. If I am if I'm an actor, I am not not at all 100% serious. I am the least serious person ever. Uh, if I'm an actor in the movie because uh, as an actor, you just completely your brain turns off and you say, "Hey, this is fun." So uh, anything else when you're actually in charge and doing special effects and you're doing all this other stuff and it's you because technically it's, it's my company's money who's financing all every one of these movies so it's like oh that, that's I, I take it so serious I'm like Shh. I mean I'm having fun I'm smiling but at the same time at the end of the day if this gag's not working I'm not I'm not laughing going <laughs> I'm disappointed, I'm angry, you know, there's a lot of things going on internally that you don't see. Okay, so in front of the camera you've been known to then be a prankster and do jokes, but behind the camera you're 100% serious 100% of the time. Oh yeah, no, I mean there I mean and we'll we'll pull pranks on each other when I was doing the movie Anna because I'm one of the main actors. Me and the main actor, uh, Justin, we would pull pranks on each other all the time. There was a scene where we both had to be uh, – the area that we were filming in, we had to be naked, but we had also these, uh, like, male thongs that we could put on every now and then if we weren't, weren't going to be in, actually in the shot. And yeah, I saw that so, scene. You know, <laughs> so, so what happened was that scene – that so we actually found a haunted uh, house – uh, over in Fort Worth and we were talking to these people and they, I said, Hey, I'm going to build several sets. If you give me this warehouse of yours, I will build you like nine different sets. Each one's going to cost about four grand to build each set. And you could just have them oh, for your own. And he said, okay. And I was like, only if we could use this area for free. And they were like, all right. <laughs> and then I said, Oh, by the way, do you allow, um, can I put blood everywhere? And they're like, oh, put as much blood as you want. When I brought 15,000 gallons of blood, they go, whoa, whoa, what are you doing with that? And I said, well, you, you did say, when I tell you, if I ever say there's going to be a lot of blood, there's going to be a lot of blood. I'm not under-exaggerating at all. And <laughs> so the guy was like, oh, you have to clean it up. So we had all that blood, and we had some blood going to be spraying on us. Well, what happened was that same day, Texas weather decided to be completely crazy and out of normal, and it went to 15 degrees. So, oh, there's no, there's no at all in that area. So, of course, this is the scene where we have to be naked uh, in this uh, set that we built. And we're like, okay, cool, this is going to suck. And so we're huddled around a heater, and then he's telling me this whole time, he goes, you know, hey, I, I think I'm going to go full naked here so that way uh, people don't have to worry about cu- shooting around the, the thong underwear. And I was like, really? Really? Re- really? You're going to do that? And then I felt so bad. I was like, dude, I don't want you to do this. Oh, like, this is, that's going to suck. I don't, want, I don't want to seem like the pretentious person and do this and, and keep my underwear on and you go through all that. All right. You know what? All right. Let's do this. So I'm, I'm standing there butt naked uh, doing this uh, scene. And then, of course, you know, I'm not, I'm never looking around. I'm just staying in the scene. And then, so uh, then I hear the director, my brother, go, "Damn it, I got your underwear." I was like, 
wait, huh? I turn, and Justin has the underwear on and everything. I look across every person in the scene. I'm like, why didn't anybody tell me? <laughs> Hold on. You're telling me nobody was going to say shit. <laughs> that is awesome. That now, now, now that I know what's going on behind that scene, it makes that scene even better. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, even on that movie, the first day of filming, uh, we 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 shoot a scene where we're supposed to be running. I break my foot during that, so I, the rest of the movie, I have broken foot the entire time. Uh, I mean, this is, I'm constantly if I'm if I'm not injured on set, then we're not making a movie. <laughs> oh damn, man! <laughs> we finally found out Bruce Campbell. What happened this yeah, time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He takes all the hits and bruises from the entire team, so no one else has to get hurt. Uh, I think that's in the contract <laughs> agreement when he used to sign up with MGI. Well, I'm just I'm just thrilled on? that. Uh, go on. I said, no, no, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I'm just thrilled that I don't have to worry about uh, doing my own stunts anymore. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Let somebody else do it. Let's, you know, young and do it. Um, but I want to ask well, what you're working on. Right now. Okay, so we're working on a film called Graffiti North. <clears throat> okay. And, uh, yeah, no, the uh, – it's um, – it's it's basically a movie about uh, you have you have society uh, a disease uh, has infected the entire society and this is a backstory and so you have that that all happened and it literally changed everybody's skin to be like this yellow and puffy and stuff and that's all but society fractured into people who did get infected and people who didn't and so. Uh, they said, okay, kind of like the childish thing, anything painted yellow, we can, we have, and we can access anything painted red, you can access because, you know, red blood, yellow blood. And so you have that. But what happens is there was some kind of civil war that happened. And literally there's only one man left that has red blood and his name is North. And so he lives day to day, just painting red on things that he's, allowed to go around and um so you have this fracture well you have people from the yellow decide to you know to to decide to try to seek refuge from their side with north and it causes a lot of chaos because keep in mind in their society they said hey anybody from the red are completely evil they're they're monsters they're we're looked down upon. They're, they're like like the boogeyman in people's, uh, you know, mindset. They're nightmares, and so that just keeps the uh, the social uh, just structure going. Because if they start doubting their uh, their higher ups, it would actually fracture their whole entire society that they've built. And hey, look, we just killed and murdered uh, everybody on the red side. So yeah, that that's kind of you, you need to keep that scare tactic. Well, North was nice uh, and actually helped one of their 
the, one of the yellow side's uh, husbands. And so that family is now seeking refuge with North, and it brought this kind of war going on. And so you have this, this uh, just struggle going on between the two sides. But where the horror comes into play is between the two sides, you have the red and the yellow between the two sides in the middle. There's a, there's a like no go zone where nobody really goes and anybody who's evil from the yellow, they just do all of their evil duties in there, in that area. And it like, that's why North, anytime he sees anything about the yellow side, he's only seeing the evil people from that society. So he just sees them as monsters as well. Because everybody he good stays far off into their own area, so that's where you get the horror aspect and you get all that stuff. Man, that definitely sounds like you know, yeah, that that sounds like some you know, you know, late night eighties HBO sci fi shit that I used to dig as a kid. Anything that was dystopian future kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that yeah and it, well, you know, you also get a lot of body modification and horror because you ha- the it, they they have this tribal mindset uh, in the yellow side. So anybody who's a higher up in the hierarchy, they have uh, they actually do body modification just like in tribes. Uh, you know, oh, just, okay. it, so they have all like metal intertwined with their skin and all like all this grotesqueness to the more horrific they look the higher up they are in their society so it's just uh, it's a weird you you have some really cool visuals oh man okay you definitely got me there man because like nothing freaks me out more than metal through skin thank thank you clive barker but so yeah, with with everything that you, you're so busy with and working on, is there anything like cinematic-wise in the horror world that you're looking forward to seeing that's coming up this year? I know we got a lot of big things towards the end of the year. Me personally, I'm looking forward to Nia Dacosta's Candyman because I'm a huge Candyman fan. So to see that that character <laughs> come back. But is there anything that you're looking forward to, like the new Halloween Kills? You know, anything that's on your radar to see in the theater on demand? You know what's funny is I. So I was really excited about the new Conjuring movie uh, until I realized that uh, it's not directed by uh, James Wan anymore. So I was like, no. So I'm still interested, but I'm kind of disappointed in the fact that it's not going to be a James Wan Conjuring. Um, I have been... I was interested in the uh, the new Candyman. I was I was actually I was like, okay, this could be cool because you know the first one has its flaws and it's kind of outdated now, but it had a cool premise. And uh, I was I was interested, but then so many things started to weigh on me from that and watching the trailer. I was interested in the concept, and then the trailer kind of brought all of that away for me. Because it, it seems like it's going less of the horrific, just intriguing aspect of it, and more of into a uh, a political stance. And I'm like, ah, don't don't just that, yes, you can have that as a really cool uh, you know motif through the entire thing and, and a really cool backdrop. But 
give me some horror. <laughs> and none of the trailer has given me any kind of intrigue in the horror aspect of it. It's like, ah, show me a trailer too and, and throw in some, inject some horror into it. And maybe I might be on the hype train. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. The thing with all the stuff like that is, is keeping kind of the politics, you can keep it in there, but don't make it the message of the movie. I mean, that's where I'm kind of like with you. Like, I want the horror, but if you want a message, put it in there, but don't make it about the whole thing. So, yeah, like mm-hmm. with you with the Candyman, I get it. I'm kind of hoping that they just keep it to the legend of Candyman, mm-hmm. and they kind of keep the mm-hmm. whole red hat and, and uh, you know, BLM stuff. Mm-hmm. Keep it in there, but also don't make it the press. Like, I'm not going well, to I mean, even the original that. had the original had a lot of social commentary on it. And, and that, oh, yeah. That most, and it had a lot of that in there, but it wasn't based only in that. They still had a monster called Candyman that you had to vanquish. You, you still had uh, horror that came into play. Uh, you just you didn't lose any of that. It actually was a pretty cool little backdrop that was not normally seen. Well, now... This new one, it seems like they're trying to go too much backdrop and not as enough Candyman. Yeah. yeah but then again, it. it could just be all these houses, they, they hire out these trailer, uh, these, these other editing houses to make the trailer, and the, they might be like, hey, this is the way we want to market our movie, to sell it. But it has nothing to do with the actual movie, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's, and that's the problem with a lot of these modern horror movie trailers and the way that they cut, where they just give away too much. Yeah, there's been a couple of movies recently where oh, they God, give you yeah. away the entire plot. Uh, yeah. Black Christmas from 2019. They gave that movie away <laughs> in the trailer. You knew what you were going into. There was no more surprise. It was, you're going to get a bunch of killer frat guys and a bunch of girls going after them. I mean, it was, yeah. there was no surprise. So you went into the movie you know, knowing. So. These editors, I wish they could just be more sneaky like they used to be back in the 80s and 90s. Where we're going to give you a taste, and then you have to pay for that ticket to see the rest. No, I, yeah, I, totally I agree, agree, man. They, they've been doing that a lot. Well, especially when you get the extended, extended trailers going on where, you know, they're over three minutes and you're pretty much getting the entire movie, you know, because as much as we love Deadpool 1 and 2, you know, The King and I um, – but, but yeah, they just gave away the entire movie in in those three minute trailers. It's just you know, like like the king said, you know, they need to be smarter in what they're doing with the trailers. Give us enough to you know grab our attention and then just let it go and just be like you know to get the rest. You got to get into the movie theater. <laughs> be smart. But you know, you also get a, another big trope that I'm hating in all all these trailers and movies in general that are coming out lately is you're getting people like, I'll use a movie, for example, like Don't Breathe, like that movie. You're like, okay, that's a cool little premise. Oh, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, make sure, you know, the guy is blind. Okay, that's cool. But if the bad person who or is also just as bad as the good person, if the hero is a not someone that you can relate to, and it's someone who you can't even, like, you could you could give somebody uh, like hey I am uh, give them flaws I'm a burglar but here's why I'm burglaring here's all this information but if you don't give us any kind of emotional attachment I don't care through the entire movie I don't care what kind of suspense you're trying to build there's no no emotional attachment 
the movie is bland. And they've done that so much lately in all these movies is you'll have a bland main character that you, you don't really care about. Yeah, you have a cool premise, but where is, where is any of the intrigue that's pulling me into the movie that's keeping me there? There's a reason why Poltergeist did so well. is because it was the average American family. You loved every character, and then you then tear it apart. There's a reason why that kind of structure works. Now, you can try to turn that stuff upside down, but you have to do it in a way that actually still brings in the audience to enjoy the characters and relate in some way. Yeah, yeah. you're right, man. Yeah. You need to be smart about your writing. And Don't Breathe is a great example because that movie, those characters are just so completely cookie-cutter, one-dimensional. And then you introduce Stephen Lang, and he becomes kind of like the quasi-villain at the end. Like, I felt like you're just kind of throwing it in there where we have to make him the bad guy so that Jane Levy can survive. Even though neither of them yeah. are good people, they're also both just so one-dimensional. And I find myself saying that a lot with a lot of these movies we talk about on the show, the newer ones. There's not a single likable per- person in this movie. There's not a single person I want to see survive. Like, that's a problem. When you're giving me a right. slasher where I don't, with the final girl survives or not. No, yeah. Yeah, you're right. The thing is, you have, yeah. if, if you have. Go ahead, George. Oh, uh, if, if you have where this character is unlikable and then this character is even more unlikable and you have to try to make it to where hey, now the person is going to rape this character or do some kind of weird stuff just to make him more unlikable so that way this character you'll actually root for. So I was rooting for neither one. I wanted to see them both destroy each other. You know? Yeah. Mutual destruction. Yeah. I didn't care. <laughs> right. Well, and, uh, same thing with, like, like Strangers Pray at Night, where uh, when I watched mm-hmm. it, it was a fun movie, but, like, you know, but when you watch a horror movie, you're expected to root for the family. You know that that's what you're supposed to do. But then they took that movie and wrote it so the family was so fucking stupid that halfway through the movie, I was like, no, you know what? I'm not rooting for the family anymore. I want these killers to get these stupid motherfuckers that are making stupid decisions because <laughs> they deserve to die because of their stupid decisions. They are breaking every horror movie trope in this thing that. I should not be rooting for them. You know, I should be rooting for the killers. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, that's, that's another thing also is you'll have a movie where you're really into the characters, like Hereditary. I'm really into the characters. I really liked the characters. I thought it was a really good family drama. But then when you say, hey, by the way, now we're going to have horror into it, you're like, wait, the horror in this movie was, was terribly done. You're, you, you, because you, if, when you... When you have horror in a movie and you're constantly asking, why? Why? I mean, it's fine if you're saying, oh, by the way, ghost. If you say ghost, you have a precognition of going, okay, I, un- I, get, I get that they- ghosts can probably do anything. Gotcha. Okay? But if you just say, if you start adding some kind of rules into the movie and then you just disregard it and just have random weird happenstance, and random weird shit at the end of the movie, it does not make it a good movie. <laughs> I mean, it's no. And I, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, kid. It's, it's a great family dynamic movie, like you had said, uh, Gerald. But then you get to the, the horror of it, and it's just like Ari Aster didn't really know what to do. 
Like, he's like, I'm making such a great yeah. family drama, but you put the horror in there, so I'm just going to say uh, devil worshiping, and I'll throw some ghosts in there and some possession. Then I'm going to make it to Tony Collette, whose, grand, whose mother had passed away, never knew about these photos that were in the attic the entire time with her with a satanic cult. And it's just a, a shock to her. Goodness, they were worshiping the devil this entire time. You know, at the whole time. Oh, and this whole time they knew that she was going to stick her head out and get her head chopped off. And they knew that this was going to happen and this was going to happen and this. And they set everything up the entire time. It's like, okay, okay, you lost me here, all right? <laughs> you lost me completely. They, they knew that she was going to have a reaction to the peanuts and stick her head out and get smacked by a telephone pole. It was all preordained. <laughs> all hail the telephone pole. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, and then, yeah, yeah. It's just it's, it's a, a good a good example sort of story. Then, uh, the last house on the left, nineteen seventy two versus two thousand nine, where oh, in yeah. the seventy two version, Mrs. Krug, who he's a bastard, and he should die in every sense of the word, but he's kind of charismatic, where you're kind of digging his vibe a little bit, even though he's just a dick who deserves to die, and the parents have to make that ultimate decision to kill the killer because they killed their daughter. But then you cut to 2009, and the parents are kind of reveling in the violence a little bit, even to the point mm-hmm. of putting Cruz's head in the microwave, which wouldn't work because you can't work a microwave if the door is open, and they blow up his head <laughs> in the microwave. At the end. So it's like, well, what are you doing? Like these, these, This is nothing like what happened in the original, where the parents oh, yeah. were upset and then versus 2009, where it's like, yeah, let's kill him. Yeah. And you have movies like, even like the movie Midsommar, where you're like, yeah. okay, I, you don't like any character in the entire movie. And I, just, no. just, and yeah. just <laughs> little, little things in the movie, like, okay, so in the very beginning, the, the girl is going to commit suicide. You're like, okay, cool, she's going to commit suicide. That's really tragic. It's really sad. But somehow she has 200-foot hoses that she can move from the, the garage to this. That's a three hundred dollar trip to Walmart right there. You know she's part- this is not a spur of the moment thing, and nobody just has those lying around, okay? And then she had to go buy duct tape. This is a big ordeal, okay? So there is no way that this was like like it, every single time you try to look at purpose. What is that character doing? Why is that character doing this? And then in this movie like Midsommar, you have these characters that literally have no purpose. It's just, oh, by the way, randomly, I'm peeing on a log for no reason in front of everybody. We did not establish that the guy takes his dick out every five seconds and doesn't care that he's right in front of people peeing. We didn't establish any of that. He just decided to pee on a log that was right there. Was there no bathrooms in the entire fucking movie? I don't know. I didn't see him have to take a whiz. And, like, just random happenstance. I understand when you want to have in the movie a character do something and, and it's, uh-oh, this is bad, uh, this turns into something. But you have to have a build-up to that. You have to have some kind of foreshadowing. You can't just have a poster in the background that says, oh, by the way, did you notice that? It shows a bear. That means that person's going to be put into a bear over here. No, that's not at all foreshadowing. Did you ever learn about foreshadowing when you were a kid? Okay. <laughs> It, it, in English, 
Did you learn what foreshadowing means? You could Google the fucking word. It does not mean you're putting a motherfucking poster on a wall and it shows a bear, okay? That does not mean foreshadowing I'm at all. Fucking rant. God, if, I love this. You, you want, <laughs> I'm just, I, can, I can go on for a while. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop on that one. No, no, dude, no, dude, dude, it's awesome, man. I'm loving this because I feel exactly the same way. I know the king does too, where it's just, you know, for, because I, because I am a part of a, a bunch of horror, uh, forums on Facebook and I am tired of seeing you know all of the fucking constant rave about what a great fucking movie Midsommar was and you know it fucking you know it understands me and it's like no the fucking movie doesn't fucking get you alright the movie like no it's a fucked up shitty ass movie that was put together you know it's falling apart but yes please continue on your rants about Midsommar man I'm fucking loving this (laughs) it's stupid because here you have someone they're like oh look how intelligent is the very beginning you saw the fucking uh, how the whole movie is going to take place in this little mural no no that's not smart at all that's not like a clever little thing the moment I was first watching it I go oh well that's the whole fucking movie right there that's not intelligent (laughs) where do you where do you find that that is a cool like intellectual thing oh by the way did you notice this I mean you the characters didn't have any kind of purpose whatsoever when you saw every one of their homes every single couch was directed towards the motherfucking door who has that in their house Whose house is like that? Set up like that. Hey, by the way, the couch is at the door. No, it's towards this motherfucking TV. Who, who, who lives like this? Where is anybody's TV? Every couch is, hey, could you please fucking leave? That's, uh, every single house is like that. Well, nothing is realistic in any form or fashion in the entire movie in any way. You can look at every aspect of the movie and say, that would never happen. That's not real. That can't be real. None of this is at all a sane person's logical thought in the entire motherfucking movie. And when you have a movie that's built around that, and they're like, oh, did you get connected with that? You know what? If I was high on drugs constantly, I still would not, just like everybody in the character, I still would not do at all what these characters are doing. I, I, there's just no way I, I, I could not feel that you would care. Oh, look, Hey, they're going to be serving me this stuff. Everybody else's drink is not red, but this is, I'm sorry. I point out yeah. if there's like a weird spot in my cornflakes. Okay. There's a weird <laughs> cornflake. I'm flicking that thing out. <laughs> Something as big as your drink is completely red. You're like, okay, guys, there's something weird going on. I'm not drinking this. There's a hair <laughs> on of your food. You freak out. Guess what? If your cu- drink is fucking Kool-Aid and you didn't see the Kool-Aid man busting in anytime soon, you're not going for that drink. <laughs> and then for your dinner, you served a bunch of pubes on top of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because she wants to hook up with you. <laughs> And I love how everybody was like, by the way, oh, do you see how disturbing this is? They're making their old people jump off this cliff and commit suicide. I was like, well, then you've never watched Discovery Channel. There's a lot more sick fucking tribes out there than this. There's worse shit out there. This is not bad at all. And they're like, no, this is such a disturbing theme. What are you talking about disturbing? Do you watch Discovery Channel? Have you seen any movie? Anything about any like actual tribes out there? They do some crazy shit. 
I mean, well, come well, on. Even, <laughs> well, even like you sit there, you know, me growing up as a sci-fi nerd, I was like, have none of you ever fucking seen Logan's Run? You know, they do the exact same fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, you know, it, it's bad when you could go, you could just name off tribes and be like, you know, they do like this weird body modification of this. That's just for you to be a man. Just, just to claim you're a man. It, oh, it's only, oh it's yeah. One out of three, you die. One out of three people die, and that's just to become a man. And you're telling me this is bad? They're old as fuck. They're about to die. This is fine. Yeah. Okay. Checking out. See you, Grandma. <laughs> See you, Grandpa. <laughs> what is the problem here? And then, Don't worry. Then there's the, a backup plan. Because you got Thor with his hammer. Who, <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't care who you are. If you go on a vacation with somebody, hey, hey, guys, let's room in the same place. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Hey, guys, it's been three hours. Where's so-and-so? I don't know. Well, I don't care. Oh, okay, cool. Neither do I. Who does that? <laughs> oh, oh. The place is as big as... The place is not that big. It's not even like a quarter of a mile. Even a quarter of a mile would have been big enough to lose somebody for, you know, for at least a day. But no, this was like a normal, like, high school reunion kind of a thing. You're going to be able to find people because they're going to show up right there. And if they don't show up, there's something going on. Why would you not care? Why would you not Remember that. <laughs> In the meantime, while your boyfriend flies off, I'm going to sit there and show up and be like, hey, Gerard, sorry about your birthday. Here's a cupcake. <laughs> and I love, I love how in the movie they're trying to say, oh, by the way, she, listen, this guy is a terrible guy. He's a terrible boyfriend. He's this, this. I'm like, wait, 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 hold up. Let's look at the facts here for a second. Her, her sister committed suicide and killed her parents. He was going to break up with her, but then said, you know what? No, I'm going to do this because I'm going to be nice to you. He could have just left. He always chose the proper thing to do as a friend, even though he didn't want to be in this relationship anymore. Just because he didn't want to be in this relationship anymore, you're saying that that was a bad emotion for him to have because he was he's being forced to be in that re- relationship? No, that makes him a good guy. So why do we have to hate him? through this movie when he actually has to end up having sex with someone because guess what? They're going to kill people if he doesn't. They're going to do this and that. Like, they force him to do this. So the the entire time they're trying to justify her saying, hey, get into that bear and kill, burn him alive. It does not make sense. Where do you feel that that's a proper ending? Where do you feel that she properly understood that? Now, if you were going for, hey, by the way, we're trying to show that she was manipulated into doing this and she made a fucked up decision. I would agree with you. It's like, Oh, you know what? That's cool. But then when the director comes out and says, no, it's meant to be this way. It's like, then you don't know what the fuck you were doing. By the way, you, you can, you can polish something to make it look good as shit. And that's what millions of dollars can do, but it doesn't mean that it's still not shit. You could put yeah. a nice golden layer of, of gold across this turd, but in the inside, when you take a bite, it is still a turd. <laughs> oh man, that was awesome! Doesn't matter how much. <laughs> it's cool. Don't understand why Holy these get so fuck. great. Dude, the, that is the, so awesome. The, like, 
Yeah, I just want to say thank you for the rant. It's like, because we covered that movie on this show, and you literally just said everything I wanted to say on the fucking show. So just seriously, thank you so much. And and fuck you, young kids, for your fucking opinion on Ms. Omar. All right? Your opinion is fucking shit. Go go watch a proper horror movie. All right. Well, you know, and that's that's the thing. You know, I I guess I'm not old. But I'm getting in my mid-30s, and so I just – I don't care anymore. You know, before I would be like, you know what, I, 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 I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I'll let them, I'll let them think this. I'll let them think that. And then it's like, wait, 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 wait. I don't care if your opinion if – you, if you love this movie or not or this or that. That's fine. Everybody has their own opinion. But if you tell me that that movie is amazing, is – fucking amazing and has all perfection i will point out every motherfucking flaw to you because by the way you're now not saying that it is objective you're now saying that this is factual perfection it's like okay let's let's point out every one of your fucking flaws now and how stupid you are you know now if you're just saying i just really enjoy the movie i'm like okay okay i'll let you have that because everybody has their own opinions. You're, you're entitled to yeah. your own opinions. That's off. If you try to tell me that a movie is fucking amazing and here's the facts, it's like, okay, I'm going to use your logic and I'm going to point out all the fucking flaws of your movie. Yeah. yeah. And, to, and to, to, to backtrack to what you were saying about Lake Fair earlier, okay, this is a thing I'm like finding I'm having trouble with the kids when I'm talking to them on the horror you know, pages today is, you know, you, you made Lake Fear as an homage movie. You know, you, you did it to sit there and hit all the tropes and to, you know, give a little nod to all the classics. And the problem I'm finding is what we, you know, us three here tonight, consider the classics and the go-tos and all that kind of stuff for tropes and classic horror movies. The, these younger kids aren't taking the time to watch these classic movies anymore. They're not taking the time to watch the original Friday movies or the original Nightmare movies, you know. And uh, like, it's, it's throwing me off when you know I go onto onto a horror forum, you know, and you know, yeah, I'm watching Trick or Treat for the first time. What do you guys think of it? Or I'm watching The Omen for the first time. You know, is it worth a watch? It's like, don't ask. Is it worth a watch? Go watch the fucking classics. You know, um, <clears throat> no, I, I agree with you. And you know what's funny is I have a friend. I had a friend that, now keep in mind, this is like 15 years ago that we talked about this. But he was like, I won't watch a movie past 1995. I go, you mean before? What? And he was like, he goes, I won't watch a movie before 1995 ever because, I, you know, nothing has ever been good. And I go, give me a second. So I went over there, I grabbed my DVD of the thing. I popped in the scene where he's, McCready is, testing everybody's blood. One of the most <laughs> greatest suspenseful scenes yeah. of all time. Mm-hmm. After, after the, after the thing shows up and every, I t- turned it off right there and he goes, what are you doing? And I go, good as shit, right? That was 1982. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we find out these days. Like the monkey was saying is that there's this, the modern horror movies are what these younger people want to watch. And to your point, I think the exact same thing. I always say I love this fucking movie. Like, I love Street Trash. I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I'll never tell somebody this is the greatest fucking movie you'll 
ever experience in your life because that's going to make them watch it and go, what the fuck did I just watch? Not that great. So I just, I think, you know, yeah, you can say I love it, but when people tell me all the time, dude, you have to watch Hereditary, you got to watch this movie, fucking blows your mind. And then I'm going into it thinking it's going to blow my mind and it just blew the fucking two hours I wasted on it. That's all it did. It didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I, I look at when I when I tell somebody like a review, if I say, "Hey, you should watch this movie," they'll be like, "Oh, why? Do you like it?" And be like, "No, no, no, no. Let me t- let me tell you what what this does right." And I'll say like like if I'm saying the thing, I'll be like, "If you are disgusted by body horror, like any kind of just disgusting body stuff, you're gonna get that all in this movie. If you if you really want build up of suspense." If you want a, like a really good buildup of just a whodunit and and suspenseful horror, you'll get some really great scenes in this movie. But I'm not going to say that this is the mo- this movie is going to outdo every other movie you've ever seen because everybody's different. So I'll never tell people yeah. that. Now, if I if I say, hey, what's what's one of the best movies ever made and stuff, and I'll start going off on it. I'm not going off on the emotional aspect of what you get from it. I'll go off on Hey, technically, let me tell you why this is this is factually one of the best ever made. No emotions involved, and that's how right. I try yep. to approach any of those for people. Yeah, that is absolutely the way that you should because it just works that way. You know why the thing like you said with Jaws earlier, why that is such a perfect movie in a lot of ways, and and with the thing, Bravo team, thank you for your fucking work on that movie. Like yeah, the effects that he managed to create in 1982 of all years, it still holds up today. You can watch that movie tomorrow with somebody who's never seen it before, and I guarantee you they're going to be impressed by at least one scene in that movie. Yeah, yeah I mean, man. I was like, I, you know, I, oh, go ahead, George. Oh, go on. Oh, uh, I would. No, I no, go ahead. On, there's several movies that I've I've watched that people hyped it up. Uh, I watched The Witch, and people hyped that up so much, and I was. Say like, okay, oh, cool. Geez. And I, I, I actually got a group of friends together. I said, okay, we're going to watch a movie. Boom. Purchased it, put it in, watched it. After we finished it, the census together was, this sucked. <laughs> like, wow, I wasted two hours of my time. Now, it, was it because of the visuals were there? No. Was it because the, this wasn't there? No. It was because... There was no story. <laughs> There's nothing to be afraid of. I, I, and another trope that uh, – let's go back to the very beginning. Another trope that's been irritating me lately, and you'll see it in even uh, It Chapter 2. You'll see it in um, uh, Sexually Transmitted Ghosts, <laughs> which is uh, – I'm, I'm just making a joke of the movie, but it's uh, It Follows. Uh, you'll follows. see it in yeah, – You'll see it in so many movies where old people naked are scary. <laughs> no, they're not. To oh. me. Okay, it's disgusting. But them running at me, I'm not afraid of an old fat uh, fucking person coming at me naked. I'm not afraid. <laughs> okay. You see that in all of these movies, they're like, oh look, how scary is this? Like it follows you. You have like somebody who's naked the whole entire time, and it's just walking towards you. I like the idea behind it. And I think that there's some good scenes in there, but overall, you're like, I'm not terrified of naked people just walking towards me. I'm not terrified in, in, in chapter two. I'm not 
interested in this old woman now suddenly a monster running at me who's naked like at first it was creepy that she was getting naked you were like oh this is weird okay that's kind of weird but you're like where is this going to oh now she's a giant naked monster Uh, okay i'm not (laughs) i didn't know harry potter was so you know influential for this director but uh, <laughs> but no, you you have a lot of these movies. Even The Witch, you just had old naked women, and they even tried to bring mm-hmm. that into Midsummer is old naked people, and you're like, oh, oh. that does that doesn't scare me. I'm not I'm not lying in bed going, oh my god, <laughs> grandma might show up and show her vagina. <laughs> I'm not doing that. And I have acted in when I was thirteen. I walked in on my grandmother, and she had uh, she had one of these uh, things where they had to take one of her boobs off. I accidentally saw her naked. It was disgusting. She was a single boobed grandmother. Oh my god, disgusting! But guess what? I'm I'm not replaying it in my mind, crying me to sleep. You know, it's not bothering me in my thirties. <laughs> No, and no, no way no, you people horror is it bothering you. That's why you write and direct horror movies now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Grandma. You are the inspiration to why I make any horror movies. <laughs> if it wasn't for you. <laughs> this one's for you, Grandma. This one's for um, you. Thank you so much for coming on tonight, uh, Gerald. This has been such a fun interview, and I can't wait to have you back to talk more about how much we fucking hate Mr. Mark. Uh, but what, uh, what are some of your what are people behind you? I'm, I'm sorry, say it again? Where are your socials? Like, you're, you're, are you on Twitter? Are you on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? Anything that you want to kind of promote uh, where people can find you? Um, well, uh, I, I, I'm always so busy. I, I do have an Instagram. Uh, I'm always so busy, though. I don't really... I'm not in, totally into going social uh, in social media, but I do have an Instagram. I do. We do have a YouTube channel where we put some of our uh, our trailers, some of our like if we do a short film or anything like that. Just something when we're bored or having fun, or uh, we'll do some music videos with some people. And uh, we actually did one music video uh, that's all up on there that actually turns horror esque afterwards. And so. Uh, we have a YouTube of MGI Productions, uh, YouTube. I have a website, mgifilms.com. <clears throat> and uh, there you have only the films that we've self-produced on that. Um, anywhere else, we, we don't really – I don't promote mm-hmm. other people's projects unless we produced it ourselves. Um, but, yeah, it, we're, we have uh, – those those couple of things we're not really our our digital footprint is not that huge. <laughs> That's why we kind of go with the uh, PR and marketing. That's excellent. But, um, yeah, anytime you want to come back, please let us know. We'd love to have you back. Yeah. No, no. Thank and, you for having uh, me. And yeah, no, I would love to come back sometime. Yeah, and uh, lastly, if you could, I would love for you to sit there and possibly be able to fix your link for The Little Rocketeer, just because I really want to check out that short story. (laughs) Yeah, um, 
it's a, yeah, the, the YouTube a, link unfortunately does not work anymore, but the the storyline sounds awesome, and I would love to just check out that short story, man. Really? Yeah, I actually yeah. If, just uh, just in YouTube, type in Little Rocketeer. Uh, it's an award winning short film that uh, that we did, and <clears throat> no, it's 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 great. Uh, we put we put my brother's son in it, and we shot him and did this amazing little. Uh, short. I mean, it'll, it'll make you cry. It, it, it's made to make you cry. So, awesome. That's awesome. And uh, and, right, well, and again, dude. Uh, again, thanks for coming on the show, man. You, you made this episode so much fucking fun, man. Th- thank you for showing up. No, thank you again for having having me. <clears throat> Absolutely, man. Thank you. All right. So that was Gerald Crumb. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Hopefully this won't be the last one that we do, not just with Gerald, but with anybody in the, in the indie horror community. I think uh, this is something I'd like to do again, uh, you know, with you, Monkey, uh, see who else we could probably get on the show, the terror talk, as I'm calling it now, and see who else we can bring on to talk about how much Midsommar sucks. I, lo- I love that. <laughs> we can just make old pox like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, brother. Add that so, movie is. If, <laughs> yeah. So if you are out there and you are making your own films, producing your own films, writing your own films, shooting your own films, and you hate Miss Lamar as much as we do, please feel free to reach out to Talking Terror and let us know that you want to be on a special interview episode with the king and myself or possibly the ghoul. Depends on your luck, you know, because it could be a rough kind of style drawing. But contact us if you are in the filmmaking scene and want to make yourself heard. So contact Talking Terror. And DM the King of Horror and let him know you want to be heard on our show. All right. So I'm the Mad Monkey saying thanks for listening to tonight's very special interview episode. You know, they only happen every once in a while. But anyway, thanks for listening. And let me, the Mad Monkey, come to your ear. Good night, everybody. King of Horror. I couldn't have yeah, it's my suck. Uh, I'm your old pal, the King of Thank you this episode known as the Terror Talk. Uh, hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Instagram. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, Blog Talk. Anywhere you could find us, we're there on the Internet somewhere, some way. Just jacking it, waiting Woo-hoo! for you guys to message. We're around. So, yeah, if anybody out there, indie or otherwise, wants to talk to us on the Terror Talk, I'd be glad to have you. But uh, stay tuned, guys, tomorrow. For an all-new episode, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're going to be talking about the Demonic Dean film pick of the week, Black. Uh, if you guys haven't yeah. heard about that, it's on show. It's about a pair of killer genes. Who thought the Dean would ever pick something like that? A movie about an inanimate object that kills people, and it's from Canada, no less. Because for some Surprise. reason, the Dean has a Canada and France. For some reason, those two countries give him a bonus. So that's where he comes from with most of his kids, Canada or France. So tomorrow we're going to Canada about a pair of designer jeans that kill. What are we thinking about it? We'll talk about it tomorrow. So everybody out there, like the ghoul always, stay scared. This has been the Terror Talk. We'll see you soon. Good night.